Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. New appliances, I even tell you in today's standard with the multifamily properties, it's pretty standard you'll be able to get $50 or more in rent when you go in and you replace the appliances. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. And let's see, we've talked to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and a whole bunch of others with us today. We got Mark Walker. How you doing, Mark? Doing great, Joe. How are you? I'm doing great. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Mark. He is the founder and president of Luxmana Investments, which focuses on residential and multifamily investing. He's an active real estate investor. He's been an active one since 2004. He began part-time while holding his full-time job in high tech. He's built a multi-million dollar portfolio in less than four years and acquired 22 properties with an average cash-on-cash return greater than 20% in the first year. I want to dig in on that one. He's based in Denver, Colorado, and you can say hi to him at his website, which is in the show notes link. With that being said, Mark, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Yeah. Great introduction, Joe. So yeah, I started investing back in 2004, but I really got active in around the 2010 timeframe. I partnered with a general contractor that I met through some networking activities and we scraped a couple single family homes in the Highlands and Berkeley areas of Denver. Those are some really up and coming trendy parts of Denver that are getting a lot of investment. We scraped those houses and we raised up 
a three-story duplex in both locations. And after doing that, in about 2011, I started buying rental properties again. I had an average cash-on-cash return of over 20% in the first year on every single one of those properties. And what those properties were is they were all single family. Many of them were condos and townhomes, which I love those because you have a much smaller footprint of land. Post-tax, you usually get a higher return dollar for dollar post-tax. And that's because you can depreciate a greater portion of those types of structures. But my typical story is one where I started out doing smaller deals and I've just progressed doing larger and larger deals until I did a uh, multifamily transaction, 64 units in December of 2015. And so I was able to escape the rat race as well in January of 2015. So I do this full time now and I love it. It's my passion and it's been very rewarding at the same time as you know, Joe. On the single family homes that you're buying for 20% in the first year, on a multifamily front, I guess that's where the 20% really triggered my mind. It's like, wow, that's incredibly good for single family. I get that because of how the operations work. Can you give us an example of one of your deals, single family deal where you got 20% return in the first year? Absolutely. Like I said, a lot of those early on were condos and townhomes. And to a certain extent, I was in the right place at the right time. As many of us were, the market in Denver was a lot of inventory on the market during that time frame between 2011 and 2014 when I was buying those things. And what I would do is I would, very similar to a multifamily deal, I would acquire the property and sometimes I'd just acquire it for cash, but I didn't have to in every single instance. I would put some CapEx investment into those deals to make them rent ready. And that was another thing that I really liked about some of those smaller deals. With condos and townhomes, there's just not a whole lot that can go wrong with them. So I was able to go in, do those CapEx investments and get them leased up. And what I would always strive to do, my number one metric with those smaller deals was always cash on cash return. I was always thinking, how do I go in with as little cash as possible on this deal? And then on the back end, what kind of improvements can I make to this property that's going to get me the best rents? So those are the things I focused on. And every single one of them did 20% or more in the first year. Can you give specific numbers on one of them? Sure. You know, I mean, some of these things I was acquiring maybe around fifty or $60,000 per property. So I'd go in with 20% down on those. And then I would maybe put $5,000 or so into that property after closing on it. And then... I would be able to rent that place for maybe a thousand to eleven hundred dollars per month and realize a fantastic return on my money. What are some items you've identified that if you invest the dollar you get greater return for that investment in the property? Oh, definitely newer appliances is a big one. Doing nicer countertops as well, new flooring. Things like that that are usually very basic aesthetic things that uh, your residents just absolutely love and they're willing to pay a premium for it. New appliances, I even tell you in today's standard with the multifamily properties, it's pretty standard you'll be able to get $50 or more in rent when you go in and you replace the appliances. Mm -hmm. 
Let's talk about the 64-unit property that you bought in December of 2015. What are the numbers on that? That one, the initial capitalization was 631000 So that included going in with about 20% down, and I was able to get a loan for 80% loan-to-cost. So not just loan-to-value, loan-to-cost. I set aside in that deal 320 thousand dollars in capex so i got about five thousand dollars per unit to renovate the property when i closed on it the purchase price was 2.625 million and my loan on that was a little over 2.4 million so again i was able to roll up my initial capex up into that loan as well as get about three percent for uh, soft costs at closing and 631000 is what that took to take that deal down. And I've been renovating it. I've completed the renovation with the exception of that the return on renovating the first half of the units has been so strong that I'm continuing to invest additional CapEx outside of the loan to renovate additional units as the leases turn. So you didn't have enough allocated initially to renovate all the units? You just had it to renovate some? My initial plan was to renovate half of the units. And I had a performa and everything behind that. What I'd get for the renovated units and what I would continue to get for the non-renovated units. My initial plan was only to renovate half of the units. But after uh, renovating the initial 50% of the units, I did have some money left over. So I want to continue to use up my CapEx budget. But the return on the renovated units uh, has exceeded my performa. I've been able to easily get about $50 more per unit for those renovated units than I even anticipated in my performa. How much did you anticipate in your pro forma? I was wanting to get from about 92 cents. I believe, actually, excuse me, it was 91 cents per square foot when I acquired the property. And I wanted to get it to a dollar per square foot. So a simple little nine cent per square foot increase. And what is that from a rent standpoint? How much is that extra a month? Depending on the unit and each individual lease, it was anywhere from about $75 to $125 mm-hmm. per unit increase. And then what I have been able to do is my goal was just to get it to a dollar per square foot by the end of the first year. Well, here we are. We're not even past the first year yet. And I'm already at about a dollar three per square foot. And market rates on the units is a dollar twelve is what we're trending to. So we're turning some additional units here as the leases expire. And so we're just closing that loss to lease. So we'll be at a twelve, a good 12 cents higher than my original performa. And what are you doing per unit with that $5,000? I'm spending about $3,500 of that on average is going to unit renovations. The other 1500 on average per unit went to exterior improvements. So on the interiors, I'm replacing the appliance packages, flooring, pretty much doing a full cosmetic facelift in every single unit. So again, it's new appliances, it's new flooring, it's uh, spraying the countertops, the sinks, the tubs, replacing the plumbing and the lighting fixtures, painting the walls, just giving those units a full facelift. And that's been about $3,500 per unit on average. And then... 
On the exterior, it's a small property. It didn't have a whole lot of space to add new amenities. But on the exterior, I painted the exterior, did some really nice landscaping, which the property desperately needed. Also addressed a couple deferred maintenance issues. And then lastly, added a barbecue area and a pergola and some picnic tables and some places for the residents to get out and just enjoy the property more. What has been the number one improvement, either interior or exterior, and you can isolate it as little or as small or granular as you want, whether it's painting walls or the pergola, what's been the number one improvement you've done that has been the best ROI generator? On the interior, it has definitely been the appliance packages. That's speaking specifically to this property Mm -hmm. because this particular property Every single appliance inside the complex was at least 20 years old. And so uh, going in and doing a nice new stainless steel appliance package, it cost me about $1,000, maybe a little more per package. That's yielded me about a $50 rent increase on every single unit I've done that on. Mm. How much are the appliances costing you? About $1,000, yeah. So that's a pretty good return. When you look at $50 a month, you multiply that by 12, that's $600. You get $600 more in rent for a $1,000 improvement. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good return, especially when the bank allowed me to roll that CapEx into my loan. So technically, I'm not out of pocket any money at all for that CapEx improvement. And I've been able to increase rents and easily $50 per month just for that one improvement. What's been something that hasn't gone right on this property? When it comes to that, I'd say you always have to worry about the city. Actually, worry is probably not the right word, right? Because no matter how good your due diligence is, you know, even calling and talking to the city and stuff like that, when they actually come after you've acquired that property and they do an inspection, they are destined to find something new. And one thing that caught me by surprise was not anticipating doing any CapEx on investing any CapEx on the pool. But uh, the city came in and said, we want you to replaster the pool. Well, replastering the pool is usually could be like a called a $6,000 investment. But once you start peeling back the onion, you discover new things and there's other things that you need to address at the same time. That turned into about a $15,000 ticket item. Mm. So in fact, this is probably my advice to your best ever listeners is never, never go into a deal undercapitalized. And this is an example of one of the reasons why, because the city can come in and they can force you to spend money immediately to correct things that they see needing to be corrected. So that $15,000 was out of my pocket, but I didn't stress over it because I did not go in undercapitalized. I've seen countless people, though, go in uh, undercapitalized on a deal, and when they get hit with something like that, it sets them back big time. How do you ensure going into the deal that you are capitalized properly? When you approach any type of deal, my approach is that you want to obviously optimize your post-close CapEx investments as much as possible. Now, optimize doesn't mean that you go in undercapitalized, but it means plan to get the best return. When you're doing your due diligence, I put a tremendous amount of thought into what that CapEx investment is going to look like and what it needs to look like in order to realize my return. Now, you can invest CapEx on two different things. You can invest it on things that are going to get you a rent increase. Like we talked about the appliances. 
that's a good investment. We ran some real quick math. We know what we were able to get for a rent increase. And we're able to deem that a pretty good investment right off the bat. But you also have to plan on addressing deferred maintenance items. Now, deferred maintenance items, those are typically going to give you little to no return by making that investment, but it's something you have to spend money on. You have to address any deferred maintenance so it doesn't get out of control and and affect the rest of the property. Now, the good news is, is that when you're doing your loan, if you're able to find a loan that'll give you loan to cost, you can plan for both of those things. You can build those right into your CapEx budget and the bank will allow you to make those investments post-close. But it's really the unexpected that you have to worry about, right? No matter how good your due diligence is, you're probably going to discover something after you close just as a result of operating the property that you either didn't know about before or something broke. So you have to be ready for those things. You know, the uh, if you don't plan for that kind of stuff, you're not only taking greater risk, but you're also cutting off your property's maximum potential. Do you use a percentage in terms of the amount of money that you want to bring to the deal and allocate towards CapEx or maybe an operating budget or, or contingency fund? As far as the deferred maintenance, every deal is different. And it really just depends on the condition of the property and... Usually, I'll try to set aside at least 10% for unexpected deferred maintenance items just to you know have that money in my back pocket. It's not just deferred either. I mean, the other thing that could happen on the flip side is, like I said, you don't want to cut off your property's maximum potential, right? I mean, you may not even experience any deferred maintenance items, but what if after operating the property you discover another opportunity to increase income or decrease your expenses. Those typically that requires you to make a CapEx investment. Wouldn't it be nice to have some reserve funds available to go off and make those investments and realize that potential? That is true. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? It's don't ever go into a deal undercapitalized. What'd you do with the pool since you had to drop $15,000? That's basically three units worth of renovations. How'd you fund that? I funded that out of those reserves. And again, like I said, because I had planned for unexpected things like that, I wasn't overly stressed at all about that. You know, I'll get that money back. What's really important is that I was in a position where I didn't allow that to affect the other plans I had for the property. Because imagine if someone was undercapitalized and they had to take that $15,000 from elsewhere. That would be a major setback. And that would, like you, you said the magic word, hey, that was three units of your CapEx budget. Well, you're right. Those investments that I was making for CapEx was with the intent of increasing the rent and increasing the income of those three properties or those three units. And so because I wasn't undercapitalized, I was able to fix the pool and still renovate those three units as I had planned. And I will get the income that comes from doing that renovation. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Ever wanted to invest in real estate without the headache of tenants, property managers, and leaky toilets? Real Estate Equity Investment Group is an East Coast premier private investment fund where you can put your liquidity in experienced hands. Head over to realestateequity.com that's realestate-equity.com. Best ever book you've read? Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. 
best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? Oh boy, this isn't a short answer. I'll try to make it as short as possible. But about 10 years ago, I made an investment with a company here in Denver. Turned out they were not honest people. I testified before the grand jury to help them get the indictment. I was the second guy they put on the stand at the trial. That was definitely, looking back, a growth time for me. I, I say to myself, you know, fortunately, I didn't lose more money than I could afford to lose, but that was my PhD in real estate right there. What's the lesson that you have applied in future investing so you wouldn't be in that situation? Definitely broaden my due diligence. I think I probably could have avoided that had I done better due diligence on the people that were involved in that. And what specifically would you do? I very simply might have even just Googled the people that were involved. And if I would have done that, I would have discovered things about their past that would have caused me to proceed with more caution. Best ever deal you've done? The deal in Irving, 64-unit property in Irving, Texas. Best ever way you like to give back? I love to share my story and talk one-on-one with other investors that are looking to accelerate their own path. I don't necessarily suggest that people should take the exact same path I do, but I do find that you know, my story does prove that it can be done, that you can escape the rat race and you can thrive off of your real estate investments. Love doing that. You're in Denver. You have the 64 unit in Irving, Texas. How do you manage that? I have a full-time property management company that handles that for me. When I was doing the renovation, I'd go down about once a month and check on things. I was working with general contractors and other vendors, but now that that's done, it's pretty much on autopilot. I'll, I'll go check on the property occasionally, but I have a fantastic property management company in place. What company do you use? Catalyst Multifamily Management. And what type of fee structure is it for a 64 unit? I think it's pretty typical. There's a management fee that's on a percentage basis, and then uh, all of the payroll and all that stuff is a pass-through. So it's just your standard, typical multifamily fee structure. And what's the management fee? I'm actually contractually obligated that I cannot say the exact management fee. Ah, got it. Sorry about what's, that. What's typical for a 64 unit? You know, I think on a smaller 64 unit property, I'd say you're probably going to be somewhere between maybe four and maybe as high as 5% maybe. And 5% of the collected income every month? Yes, that's right. Okay. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? You know, it's funny because I've said this before. I've shared the experience of how I had to testify to the grand jury and on trial before. You know, people have told me, you know, that's not really so much a mistake. You know, people were dishonest, but I look at it as, again, you know, that was my PhD. I could have done some better due diligence on the people involved. So that's kind of my standard answer there. I wish I had done better due diligence, but I'm so grateful. That was an opportunity I could learn from. I did not invest more than I could afford to lose. And I learned a lot from it. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? You know what? I'm going to give you my URL for my website. And I'd also like to give your listeners a free gift as a way of saying thank you for listening to our interview. So you can go to www.luxmana.com forward slash best ever listeners. Luxmana is spelled L-U-X-M-A-N-A. Again, forward slash best ever listeners. And you can reach me through that website. There's ways to contact me and connect with me on different social networks. But also the free gift that I'd like to offer the best ever listeners is a guide titled 10 Not So Obvious Ways to Boost Your Multifamily Property NOI. When we all acquire multifamily properties, we have 
two pretty clear objectives. We want to increase income and we want to decrease the expenses. And there's some less than obvious ways to do that that I've learned along my journey. And I'd like to share that with the best ever listeners. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for the conversation that we had today on the 64 unit that you bought in Irving, Texas, which we didn't really get into buying remotely. Perhaps we can do that on another date, but it is a 64 unit that you talked us through the expenses per unit, how you're getting the management done, the appliance package being the number one thing in your mind that has helped increase the income that you're collecting on the property or that what you can command for rents as well as the pool and the replastering and the unexpected expenses. So thanks so much for being on the show, sharing your best advice with best ever listeners. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. Ever wanted to invest in real estate without the headache of tenants, property managers, and leaky toilets? Real Estate Equity Investment Group is an East Coast premier private investment fund where you can put your liquidity in experienced hands. Head over to realestateequity.com. That's realestate-equity.com.